good morning, church. Hey, hey, um, it's good to see some of you here in person. Um, good to have the people that are joining us on live stream. Good morning to you as well. Um, this morning is a little bit of a special treat for us. Do I need to get closer to this? No? Okay. Uh, this morning is a little bit of a special treat for us uh, in that uh, Pastor Matt Wheelock, who, what is your official title? Administrative pastor of Grace Church of Sebring. Um, he has been super helpful to us, a big encouragement to us. He provides a lot of a backbone for us. And, and behind the scenes is the guy who's holding all things together between the three different campuses. So um, he was planning to be in town this weekend and said, hey, I, I, we're starting a new series. It'd be cool if I like kicked that off for you. Like, would that be cool? I'm like, yeah, that'd be awesome. So excited to have Pastor Matt Wheelock here. Um, this morning, and he's going to be sharing, um, sharing and beginning a new series for us. So that's awesome. I'm putting my mask on. No, and if you're up on the stage, that there's no, there's like no coronavirus no, up here. Not, that's not how it works. That's not how it works. No. <laughs> well, I'm glad that I have the opportunity. I sound like a judge. This is uh, this is coming off for this. Uh, it's uh, actually really. Great honor to be up here uh, and, and really give Pastor Michael the, uh, the week off of sermon prep. So he better have been busy doing something else. So we kicking off this series, Refocus. So this morning we're going to, uh, the, the main passage is going to be in uh, chapter 10. So Luke chapter 10, verses 1 through 37. But I want to sort of go backwards a little bit. So if you have your Bibles, you can turn to Luke chapter uh, 9, starting in verse 46, sort of a reflective time, uh, refocus our terms of service to his terms of service. So the main principle this morning is going to be this. We as believers may need to evaluate whether we are serving Jesus under our terms. Man, this is hot. Everything. Serving Jesus under our terms or his terms. So a few years back, I, I had the privilege of preaching about the, the lives of some pretty ordinary uh, people who accomplished some extraordinary tasks by their faith out of Hebrews 11. Anybody know what Hebrews 11 is? It's like the heroes of the faith passage. That passage, it contains a, a number of individuals who displayed by faith uh, an attitude of opportunity. I called it get to. This morning, we'll, we'll read through uh, some interactions with Jesus and see how there are people who, who get to serve, but under their terms of service. I'm, I'm sure everyone here at some point, well, most, most everybody is of, of adult age, especially Sophia. But I'm sure that you had the opportunity at one point in your life to purchase something, and you had to, you had to sign off or, or, or click, you know, the, agreeing to the terms of service. Anybody ever... Everybody ever done that? Has anybody ever agreed to terms of service but didn't actually read the terms of service? Like that happens all the time, right? And, uh, you know, and, and one of the things is like it's, it's way too much information. I, I believe that that is how people uh, walk through their life serving Jesus as well. They, they forgot the, the terms of service because there are some terms of service that Jesus has for us and we need to be making sure that we're on uh, track with His terms when we're serving 
when we're serving Jesus. So if you take a look at, at chapter uh, 9, starting in verse 46, I think there's, I think there's six different types of uh, my terms of service that you'll find there, starting in verse 46. So we'll start with going over those six my terms of service. The first one is boastful, right? So in, uh, in chapter uh, 9, verse 46, there's this argument between disciples, uh, who's the greatest? And, and Jesus grabs his child. His response is this, whoever receives this child in my name receives me. And whoever receives me receives him who sent me, for he who is least among you, this is the one who is great. See, I'll serve, but people need to recognize my greatness. Now, these were the disciples of Jesus. The very disciples of Jesus had that pride problem as well. They're the, they're the ones that are walking around with their chest out, nose up, thinking that, that they're better than everybody else in the room. Anybody know some people like that? Like the very boastful people, right? Jesus' response is humility equals greatness, when I first came to Grace uh, in Sebring, it was 14 years ago, I would correspond with our elders and I would, I would sign every email, your humble servant. Probably about the fifth or sixth time I did this, I had one of our elders, Pastor Vince Lonas, call me aside and he says, Matt, if you have to say you're humble, you're probably not. I really appreciated Pastor Vince's candor with me. And I, I got to be honest with you, I learned a very valuable lesson that day. People can call you humble, <laughs> but you shouldn't go around saying and tooting your own humble horn, right? The second type is a competitor. In chapter 9, verse 49, the disciples tried to stop someone from casting out demons in Jesus' name. And Jesus' response is, do not hinder him, for he who is not against you is for you. We can, we can all under, like, we can, we can agree and, and understand that there are, there's competition between churches, right? It's not something that we usually talk a whole lot about, but there's churches in town who, who love to compete with one another. Instead of, of thinking through how to build a church of unbelievers and, and, and transform those lives into believers, which takes a lot of time and energy, a lot of churches, they want to they pick the, the, the ready-made people who are from another church and, and get them because, you know, they want to... They have, they have better worship music. Nobody's as great and as wonderful as Josh. Right? Yeah. You know, people from other churches, they don't, they don't shake things up. They already know what they're doing. And I believe, like, I believe this church, I believe the church that we have in Lakeland or the church that we have in Sebring, I think they're great churches. But I know that in all of our communities, there are a number of other Bible-believing churches who are doing things well. And I just want to make sure that we're not missing the mark there, that our job is to be praying for those churches and partnering with those churches. My terms of service says this, I corner the market on the type of church believers should attend. The, the way that I worship is the only way to worship. The, that my, the, the, the songs that we sing, well, they're not as good as the hymns. We know that. My version of the Bible, ESV, right? That's the, that's the only one. No, that's not the only one. You know, that's my terms of service. 
The third type of person is, is vindictive. It's funny, disciples James and John wanted to, to command fire to come down from heaven and consume a group of Samaritans who didn't welcome Jesus in, in verse 54 of chapter 9. And Jesus', re, Jesus response is this, You do not know what kind of spirit you are of, for the Son of Man did not come to destroy men's lives, but to save them. You'll serve Jesus better by, by showing love to those who don't accept him, not consuming them with fire, right? Seems, that seems logical, right? But I, I've found myself being patient with some and short with others. Have you ever caught yourself of having uh, an attitude of, you know what, to hell with this person. I've given them the gospel and they're not listening. So, whatever. We can get caught up in my terms of service. The fourth one is high needs. Scribe in, uh, in verse 57 of chapter 9 says, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus basically says, yeah, right. And he says, Jesus' response is, the foxes have holes and the birds of the air have, uh, have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Jesus knew that the man would be limited by his terms of service. Just like so many other people who struggle with that same kind of mindset, as long as I'm comfortable, I'll go wherever you want me to go, Lord. Did I mention as long as I'm comfortable? Like, I know, I, go to, I try to go to Haiti at least once a year. Uh, I know that there are people who won't go to Haiti with me because there is no electricity and they can't serve without air condition, right? Can't, can't share the gospel with no AC and padded chairs. That's just, that doesn't even sound right. The fifth type of my term service is procrastinator. Anybody know those kind of people? No, no way. <laughs> Verse 59, Jesus then tells someone else, follow me, follow me, but he wanted to wait until his father passed away. And Jesus' response to him was, allow the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim everywhere the kingdom of God. I will serve when I can, when it's convenient. I believe there are far too many people who are, who are waiting to do kingdom work. Far too many are too busy procrastinating, getting involved because, you know, they're busy doing something else. To the one who's listening, whether you're here or whether you're online, to the, to the one who's listening who feels the, the calling to get involved, but you still haven't done that yet, what are you waiting for? Get involved, dive in, and do the work of Jesus. The sixth and final type of my terms of service is, is someone who is unsure. Someone else says, I will follow you, Lord, but let me go home and say goodbye to my family first in verse 61. And Jesus' response is, no one, after putting his hand to the plow and looking back, is fit for the kingdom of God. Whoa. Like, Jesus, don't you think that's a, a little harsh, right? Like, the person wanted to say goodbye to their family, and now you're telling them they're not fit for the kingdom of God? When Jesus calls, here's a truth, when Jesus calls, He confirms. He doesn't do wishy-washy. When our terms of service includes being unsure, we need to be sure to, to, to shore that up with some counsel from the Almighty God. 
All right, so now after all of this in chapter 9, and you read a little bit in chapter 9 as well, Jesus appoints, so we can turn to chapter, uh, chapter 10 of Luke. So Jesus appoints 70 others to, to disperse in teams of two and go ahead of him uh, to get things started in, in uh, chapter 10, verse 1. Let me pick up our reading, chapter 10, verse 2. And he said to them, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. Go your way. Behold, I am sending you out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Carry no money bag, no knapsack, no sandals, and, and greet no one on the road. Whatever house you enter, first say, peace be to this house. And if a son of peace is there, your peace will rest upon him. But if not, it will return to you. And remain in the same house eating and drinking what they provide, for the laborer deserves his wages. Do not go from house to house. Whenever you enter a town and they receive you, eat what is set before you. Heal the sick in it and say to them, the kingdom of God has come near to you. But whenever you enter a town and they do not receive you, go into its streets and say, even the dust of your town that clings to our feet we wipe off against you. Nevertheless, know this, that the kingdom of God has come near. I tell you, it will be more bearable on the day for Sodom than for that town. Woe to you, Chorazin. Woe to you, Bethesda. For if the mighty works done in you had been done in Tyre and Sidon, they would have repented long ago, sitting in sackcloth and ashes. But it will be more bearable in the judgment for Tyre and Sidon than for you. And you, Capernaum, will you be exalted to heaven? You shall be brought down to Hades." The one who hears you hears me, and the one who rejects you rejects me, and the one who rejects me rejects him who sent me. What do we see here? Jesus identifies five different directives for kingdom work. Uh, the first one in verse 2, realize that kingdom uh, work is understaffed. People in ministry, like, do we, do we understand that? Like, the, the, the kingdom work is understaffed. We need more people to be serving. Uh, the second one is in verse 3. Kingdom workers are to be appealing. Going out as lambs in the midst of wolves sounds like one heck of a good time, doesn't it? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> You know, pair that up with the truths in the Hebrews 11. We, you know, we get to have this fantastic opportunity to go out as lambs in the midst of wolves. Can you hear those 70 people saying, Jesus, we were with you all the way until you, until you said that. Like that sounds like it's going to be a little painful. When putting lambs in the midst of wolves, you can guarantee interaction of some kind. And interaction is the intent. The, the lambs, the kingdom workers, better be prepared for their mission because time spent interacting might be very brief. What do the wolves want to do? They want to seek and destroy. The next one in verses 4 through 5, we see that we need to be intentional with our time. Verses 7 through 8 that we read, take time to establish relationships. Relationships is key to sharing the gospel. Verses 9 through 16, be clear with our message. 
The, what is the message? The kingdom of God is near you. Perhaps even in this room or, or online, there's someone who needs to hear how Jesus can change your life. Maybe you've never heard or, or, or how you can surrender your life to Him. Or, or maybe you've spent years rejecting this notion of surrender. Either way, today can be the day of salvation. You can reach out anytime we'd love. I know Pastor Michael and I would both love to talk to you about what that means for your life. So the 70 came back absolutely excited, saying even the demons are subject to us in your name. Let's pick up our reading in verse 18 of chapter 10. It says, And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions and over all the power of the enemy and nothing will hurt you. Nevertheless, do not rejoice in this, that the spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. He says, don't get caught up in the byproducts and benefits of being a believer. Stay grounded in who you are in Christ. If you've, if you've surrendered your life to Jesus, you are, you are a child of the Most High God. You are redeemed. You, you've been purchased with the blood of the Lamb. You're loved. You've been chosen, get this, by the Creator of the universe. Bask in that for a minute. You've been given mercy. You've been given grace. And he says your name is recorded in heaven. Isn't that awesome? Just get caught up in that for a second. In verse 21 Jesus praises the Father for revealing truth to the simple-minded, plain folks. Anybody put themselves in that category, simple-minded, plain folks? I mean, I am, so, you know, I, I, I really appreciate how he gets down to earth. So pick up our reading, verse 21. It says, In that same hour he rejoiced in the Holy Spirit and said, I thank you, Father, Lord of heaven and earth, that you have hidden these things from the wise and understanding and revealed them to the little children. Yes, Father, for such was your gracious will. And all things have been handed over to me by my Father. And no one knows who the Son is except the Father, or who the Father is except the Son, and anyone to whom the Son chooses to reveal him. Jesus then encourages his disciples with a pretty cool perspective in verse 23. It says, then turning into the disciples, or turning to the disciples, he said privately, Blessed are the eyes that people that, that see what you see. For I tell you that many prophets and kings desired to see what you see and did not see it, and to hear what you hear and did not hear it. And then here we go again, an expert in Mosaic law wants to try the teacher, the one who actually wrote the law. I find that a bit ironic in verse 25, and it says, And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to, uh, to inherit eternal life? He said to him, what is written in the law, how do you read it? And, the, and he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. But the lawyer 
couldn't stop there. Right? He said to him, you have answered correctly, do this and you will live. Verse 29, but he desiring to justify himself said to Jesus, and, and, and who is my neighbor? <laughs> to this Jesus replied in verses 30 through 37, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Now by chance, a priest was going down that road, and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. So likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. He went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever more you spend I will repay when I come back. Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? He said, The one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, You go and do likewise. Here's the point. Verse 33 even a Samaritan can be useful. Do a little bit of re- research on what, is, what, what Jewish people thought of Samaritans. You'll find it ironic that he was the one who was neighborly and kind. Even a Samaritan can be useful. Verse 34, he, you see that he made, uh, he made full use of all, that of, uh, all of his stuff. He was a good steward of his stuff. He was a good steward of his time as well in verse 34. He invested his money in verse 35. Do you, do you catch a pattern here? Disciples, an expert in Mosaic law, a priest, a Levite, all of them look good on the outside, right? They all look like upstanding, church-going, Bible-believing people, but it seems as if their perspective was the one that was skewed. Their priorities were off base. Their motives were self-indulging. They chose to serve under their terms. And oh, how that can sound just like us. We like to be the most liked and the most honored. We would rather compete with churches that surround us instead of actually helping to compete, or complete, not compete, with the body of Christ. Fire should rain down on everyone who doesn't feel the love of Jesus that exudes from, my, from all of our being. Yeah, right. It's more comfortable to follow Jesus when I'm living a stress-free, good life. We'd rather serve like Jesus on our terms in our time. It's much easier to follow Jesus when I feel loved and supported by those closest to me. It's much cooler being amazed by all the, all the stuff that our Savior does instead of simply accepting who we are in Him and surrendering our lives to the One who actually set us free. We may have to, I don't know, maybe get over ourselves. We're going to have to evaluate how we can be most effective used under His terms of service. I think we should probably have the the type of service that Jesus should be the one being honored by our lives. 
We should be praying for and partnering with other churches. The love of Jesus should be apparent in our lives. We should be willing to serve in all circumstances, even if it's not comfortable. We should be asking Jesus how He wants us to be serving and obey His direction. We should be serving for Jesus' approval and His approval only. We should constantly be in awe of what Jesus has done for us and, and let people know it. I know some incredible stories and people think that it's so hard to tell and share the gospel. And I just say, pause for a second. You want to share the gospel? Just talk about what Jesus did for you. That's simple. I can tell my story because I know it best. He can do a work in us. Will you pray with me? Lord, I thank you so much for the power of your word to be able to, to reflect on what it looks like to serve you and serve for you and serve in the, the way that you would have me serve under your terms. Lord, help me to get over my, my, my pride self. Help me to get over wanting to serve in my way, on my terms. In those times where, where that, that, that rises to the surface, Lord, convict my heart. Lord, I pray that this church can represent your goodness. I pray that this church can represent what it means to be the body and serving one another and serving their community and most of all, serving the Savior. Lord, we praise you today. We thank you for the ability to come here as a people. We thank you for the ability to, for people to be able to join a, a service online. Lord, I thank you just for being able to serve you through this time. In Jesus' name, amen.